there's too many people that are isolated in trying to do good work for God. They're all trying to figure out how to market Catholicism in a fresh way that actually engages people. So we tried it the first year, had tremendous success. It's exciting. I'm having fun. I'm meeting a lot of really great people. I have been to all of these shows over the last year, and by far this is my favorite. I want to emphasize the importance of what you're doing as lay apostles in the CMN. The Catholic Marketing Network has a service that the marketplace needs and the church needs. There's the distribution of a lot of Catholic religious items, but most of the people you talk to, they say, well, we really come for the networking. It's a great joy to be here. In fact, it was almost 10 years ago that I came to the Catholic Marketing Network for the first time. There was a friend and I putting out sacred music. St. Ignatius Press picked it up and they showcased us. and. Before you knew it, we had sold 20,000 copies to people like you. And that sprung board a company that now has reach in about eight different countries. I found really good and you know very interesting because I like when people come from everywhere and we can learn a lot. We come to show something, but they show us too. So that's, uh, that's an amazing. This is always one of my favorite, favorite, favorite events. I always love coming here and being here because it's uh, it's such a synergy to be around like-minded people with the same ideals, the same love for the church. So it's beautiful. The Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the Shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the Shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like, humanly, I don't think, like, that is another level of love. It's not a, a, a I'm gonna see like, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No, I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. 
asking both experts and disciples, who do you say I am? Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Dan DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sewing Hope. I'm Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, as always, on Patchwork Heart Radio. I want to remind you to head over to our website, patchworkheartradio.org. We now have a new feature on that site, actually, that you can uh, leave us a voice uh, memo or message. If you'd like to do that, you can go over there, uh, leave us a voice message, and uh, we'll get it. So you can uh, tell us how much you like the show or, you know, whatever kind of you want to say about it or you want to give us suggestions for guests or whatever um, you know our topics for the show we'd love to hear from you uh, all you have to do is go over to patchwork heart radio and you'll see in the bottom right hand corner of the screen a little button that says leave us a message uh, and you can do that so uh, it's super exciting and so go ahead and do that uh, but I want to let you know that we are on I think episode three now of uh, this synod uh, discussion that we're having and uh, typically we do ten different parts um, when we do these shows and so um, you know the synod is something that's actively happening in the church it's going on uh, right now and um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about um, communion but before we dump into that uh, or jump into that I should say uh, Anne how are you and uh, and we should probably do a little bit of a recap yeah that's right it's good to be here Bell and Sewing Hope I love when we do these series because we can really investigate unpack talk about and teach people some of these topics. You know, you and I did a whole 10-part series on parenting. And if those who are watching this podcast right now want to check that out, please do go to Patchwork Heart Ministry, either on YouTube or patchworkheartradio.org. Check it out. Uh, But this one's on the Synod, and it is a 10-part series. Uh, Part one, we did, like, what is the Synod? We took a whole episode just to talk about what it is. And then part two, we talked about welcoming because that's a a very big part of what was learned from the results of those surveys is how people feel about being at the church that that they're at and what makes them decide to be active, what makes them decide to stay at a church. And of course, we know that it's a combination of a lot of different things. And then the whole gist of the synod, they take those three words, communion, participation, and mission. And that's really probably the heart of what the Synod is all about. Of course, it was started by our Holy Father beginning in 2021 and going until next year. And there's tools and reflections for sharing and response, responding to questions on the Synod. If you go to the usccb.org website, there's a whole page there and a lot of resources about what the Synod is. But what it is, it's a, it's a worldwide listening session 
started by Pope Francis. And synod means literally walking with someone, walking with someone, learning from them, listening to them, and being a person of dialogue. And I know, you know, Bill, too, that our Holy Father is very much that person, is that he wants to open up those doors to not just those Catholics that go to church every week or even every day, but everyone. Everyone's invited to be a part of this mission. And that's what the synod is all about. And so when we talk about communion, we're not just talking about the Eucharist, which of course, that's really the heart of it, isn't it? The most important part of who we are as Catholics is that receiving the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ. But it also means the communion that we have with other people, with the people that are in our own lives, the people in our families, communities, church communities. But it's also that being a member of that whole worldwide community, isn't it, Bill? Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think when you look at being in communion with one another and the Eucharist, um, it's it's something that really, um, you know, is the the core of our faith, right? Like, you know, the Catechism of the Catholic Church talks about the Eucharist being the source and summit of our faith. Um, and I love what it talks about uh, right after that. It says that all the other sacraments are bound up and oriented toward it. Um, and that's really a beautiful uh, line because like, like the entire body of Christ, right, we, we are bound up and oriented toward, toward um, you know, God as a church, right? So each part of the sacramental life, right? Uh, everything from baptism to holy orders to marriage, um, it's, it all centers around the Eucharist. But beyond centering around the Eucharist, it orients us to Jesus, right? Because the Eucharist is Jesus, <laughs> right? Like, like the Eucharist is body, blood, soul, divinity, Jesus. And therefore, right, the, the church, all the different aspects of the sacramental life, all the different states of our being, right? Like when we think about it from a baptism to confirmation, um, you know, which, which create this indelible mark on our soul uh, as children of God. And then we have, you know, things like the, uh, the, the sacraments of commitment, such as holy orders and matrimony. Uh, you know, even, even the parts of us that are weak and failing, we can bring to the sacrament of reconciliation and into Christ's heart. And of course, those parts of us that are sick, uh, we have the sacrament of the sick and the anointing of the sick. So, like, I mean, all, everything that we are, Everything that we are is bound up and oriented toward the heart of Christ. And, of course, that means that we as, uh, uh, you know, a body, we as a people of God um, are then brought together in this communion, right? Like, and oriented toward Jesus. It's oriented toward the heart of Christ. And so, I, you know, I just love how our, uh, you know, Holy Father is putting this emphasis on bringing all people together and also a deeper understanding of what and who, um, you know, Jesus is in the Eucharist. Like we, we as practicing Catholics, um, you know, and, and cradle Catholics can take this for 
a granted, right? Like, I mean, it's something that uh, when I talk to converts and we have a lot of, you know, convert friends <laughs> that we talk to, um, you know, they're like, oh, man, isn't this incredible? And then you, oftentimes you talk to those of us who have been in the church from birth and, you know, everything like, yeah, yeah, it's the Eucharist, like it's Jesus. And you're like, and and, and they're blown away by it. Like they're blown away by this and 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 how it brings everybody together and you know, how, how we worship and how we come to communion with one another um, and this understanding. And then we're like, you know, well, yeah, it's the Eucharist. Yeah, I've been going to church forever. So I think um, it's always good to have this and to also understand that um, what brings us into communion with one another, because there are people and, you know, we, we can talk about this, that we are uh, separated from one another in the body of Christ uh, because some people protest or there are Protestant Catholics. Um, out there. And so when we talk about unity, we talk about um, bringing the body of Christ together, we have to overcome some of those differences to be in communion with one another. Um, because uh, not everyone in the body of Christ is in, is in communion, is a follower of the, you know, the Catholic doc, all the Catholic doctrines and all the Catholic, do Catholic dogmas. So we have to look at that as well when we talk about communion as well. Yeah, well said. I love a lot of, I wish I could just kind of like listen again, and I probably will to a lot of the things that you just said. But one of the big things that you mentioned was the awe that people who are not in the Catholic church, that when they see people are coming together for God's word, for the liturgy of the word, but the Eucharist as well, and that it's not a symbol. And so I don't think we could have this podcast talking about communion with the synod and what that means without really unpacking the Eucharist, because a lot of the diocese and archdiocese are uh, making this the year of the Eucharist. I know that we know one in particular up in Massachusetts, one of our Bishop Byrne, one of our former guests on this show. Yeah. And, and so it's just an important thing for us to really meditate on what a gift it is. And I remember for myself on a personal level, and it was a long time ago, probably about 12 years or 13 years ago, when I started to decide to try to attend daily mass more often, uh, and I still do, I try to attend it as much as I can, but it's that thing that wakes you up in the morning to say that it was the highlight of my day. It still is. When I go to mass on the weekends for Sunday mass, I usually go Saturday, but still the anticipated mass for Sunday, right? Of course. Um, and that what it does is that gives you that, um, that real gift of Jesus is what it is. And, I found this article online, which I thought offers some five points about the, the benefits of receiving Holy Communion. I'm just going to read some of them because I think it's very important. It's from the catholicreview.org, and it's, it's called Welcome Back to Mass, and I'll give you the author in a minute. But one of those things, and the five points are eternal life, two is uh, spiritual joy, three is forgiveness of venial sins. Four is supernatural protection, and five is closeness to the Trinity. And I'm just going to read what the very first point, which I think they're all worth it to read again, right? But the first one, eternal life, is that Jesus promises on multiple occasions in the gospel that Holy Communion is the food that enables and sustains eternal life. Without this food, we do not have supernatural life within us. Mortal bodies subject to death and decay will be raised up in a perfected way on the last day, should we partake in Holy Communion? I know we even have some hymns, or there is a particular hymn about that being raised up on the last day, right? 
Mm-hmm. So it, it is a, a gift that we need to take very seriously. And it's a calling too, isn't it? Because the calling of communion when you receive Jesus is to be communion. I know you know a lot about that too. We've talked about this before, Bill. But isn't it really for us to be communion, not just with the people that agree with us, not just Catholics, not just people who go to Sunday Mass or daily Mass, but you're being trying to and attempting to be Jesus, to be communion to the human family, right? Mm. To everyone in the human family. And if you think about it, that's what creates peace in the world. What creates peace in the world is communion. It is not division. You know, they say that the evil one is to wishes to divide, destroy, and for death, spiritual death. But Jesus is quite the opposite. Communion is quite the opposite because we have that opportunity for eternal life. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think that's so insightful, Anne, uh, because when you look at this, um, you know, and, and really just how you phrased it even, you know, how we can be communion to those who are maybe not in communion, right? Um, and and we don't mean, you know, giving the Eucharist to people who are, um, you know, uh, you know, atheistic or, you know, those who are um, not in full communion with the Catholic Church. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is being the witness, being the light of Christ, allowing the Eucharist to shine through you in your workplaces, in your daily life, so that uh, you can truly be the Eucharist in um, the the workplace. You know, I always use the line uh, when I when I teach people about the mass. I always say the mass is about leaving. It comes from the phrase at the end of mass, "Eta misa est." <laughs> the mass has ended. <laughs> Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Mass is about leaving. Right? <laughs> we, we come together so <laughs> yes. that we could leave. That's the whole purpose of the word. Uh, you know, even even Christ, Christmas, right? When you think about Christmas, when you look at that Christ's mass, right? Christ's leaving heaven to come to earth. That's why it's called Christmas, right? Because it's Christ leaving. It's Christ leaving heaven. It's leaving his throne to come to earth to be with us and to redeem us. So, you know, you think about uh, this and you say, wow, okay. So what I've just been given in this communion, as we came together, it goes out. We go out into the world to be what we have just received, right? And, and you know, that that is a challenge in today's world where there is so much division. And there's so much division within the church even. Um, you know, so, so this synod really is a beautiful way for us to come together um, and, and listen to... Um, to one another um, and not uh, be belligerent or angry, but to really listen to understand how we can become deeper in communion with one another and allow the Eucharist to be the center of that, uh, of that relationship, drawing uh, each and every one of us together. Yes, well said. And I love what you said about listening to because that's really part of communion. It really is, because when you become more like Christ, we're becoming more sacrificial. And let's face it, part of becoming more sacrificial is caring about other people and being concerned for their well-being and for the things that matter to them, right? The things that matter to them, we're only going to find out if we listen. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to agree with everything. 
And I think even with the Synod, with the surveys that went out and with some of these listening sessions that happened in some of the dioceses and archdioceses, it will probably happen and it's happening that some people are talking about things that bother them, that they don't like. Now, does that mean that every little complaint or every little thing that's brought up in a listening session is going to be executed and, and implemented and changed? Uh, maybe, maybe not, right? Because we always have to take surveys very seriously. Um, I remember learning this years ago. Um, my initial bachelor's degree was in business. And so I remember learning about surveys and how one survey doesn't represent just one person, right? One complaint or one good thing, right? One five-star review doesn't just represent that one person because there's a lot of people that don't do surveys. There's a lot of people who don't care about giving their opinion and they just skip over it. So they know, marketers know that that one complaint or that one middle of the road or five-star review does have a lot of significance. So I do think they have to take it seriously. They have to take it seriously as to what are these suggestions. Now we're not gonna change, the church is not gonna change who we are as far as do doctrines, dogmas the catechism of the Catholic church. I mean, they're not looking to change any of that, what we believe as Catholics, no. but we do have to examine how we're doing things, right? We do have to examine our diocese and our archdiocese and ways that we can improve to be a more invitational church. Uh, the one thing though, that I would say that I learned from looking at the results for the survey, especially from my own parish, and comparing it to other parishes and other dioceses and archdioceses is that uh, there are certain areas of the questionnaire that were more prevalent than others. And I would say one of the biggest ones was on the Eucharist and how, you know, for the most part, the archdiocese of Philadelphia and probably a lot of other archdioceses can kind of, you know, pat themselves a little bit on the back and say, we're doing a good job that most Catholics the vast majority of Catholics do know, according to these surveys, that it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, because remember, not everybody took those surveys. And a lot of the people that did take them were real churchgoers. So when we look at those statistics for people who don't understand that the Eucharist is the true body and blood of Christ, that is representative of probably a lot of people who don't even go to mass, but call themselves Catholic too, right? When you compare that to the survey results of the DMI, the Disciple Maker Index, that the great majority of those people for the most part were Sunday mass goers, people who do go to mass every week. Yeah. So if that, does that make any sense? I'm, I'm sure it does, but. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, I think that out of those sitting in the pews um, every Sunday, absolutely, you know, people uh, believe that the Eucharist is, you know, body, blood, soul, and divinity. I, I would think a large percentage of those people, it's just those people who are gracing our doors every once in a while, right? Um, whether, you know, you're mainly a Catholic that goes on Christmas or Easter, like, you know, or just, you know, every once in a while to church, you know, that's, that's a different understanding, I think. And, you know, that's where I think you see the lower number, right? Like, it's something where 30% uh, of Catholics, right, that um, 
that believe in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus that, that in the real presence in the Eucharist. Um, but I think those that are attending Mass, uh, and that's all the more reason to go out and be the Eucharist, right? Like that's all the more reason to go out and um, be witness, be love in the world so that, so that people can see that Jesus living inside of you and then recognize, oh, wait a minute, what is the, what is the uh, driving force behind this love? Well, it is Christ himself in the Eucharist. You know, I'm, uh, I'm working with uh, the, a, a group in, uh, for the National Catholic Charismatic Renewal, putting together a large conference in Providence, Rhode Island, um, so if anyone's listening in the Providence, Rhode Island area, I do encourage you to check out uh, this big conference we're going to be having uh, July, 31st, uh, July 29th through the 31st at the Dunkin' Donuts Arena. Um, you can head over to charisusa.org to learn more about it and register. But, um, but my point uh, in bringing this up is that one of the things that we are looking at doing is doing street evangelization. And so um, the street evangelization will actually be centered around having a Eucharistic procession. So we would go from the Dunkin' Donuts Arena over to the cathedral, carrying the monstrance with the Eucharist in it um, all the way out there on Saturday night, which is beautiful witness. It's a public witness of saying, hey, this is Jesus. I, just like I was talking about going out into the world, uh, you know, with Christ ahead of us to say, you know, this is, this is, we're Catholic. This is what we believe. Uh, but then uh, after the service is over, after the benediction uh, service is over at the cathedral, we would then have an opportunity to go out and actually, you know, live that. So uh, the young adults and others who want to join us for street evangelization at like 10 o'clock at night would be able to come and do that. So we would then, um, you know, go out and, and, and pray with and ask people on the street um, about, you know, about their needs and what they need uh, from, from God. And it's a very incredibly powerful, beautiful um, way to bring the, the, the Eucharist out into the world. Um, so that's just one. Yeah, I mean, that's just one kind of concrete example that um, you know that you know I'm I'm kind of involved with and working on. But uh, we're really looking forward um, to, to to that event. So if you're if you're anywhere in the country, but uh, if you're in the New York and Providence area, um, it's a it's definitely a good uh, opportunity for you to come and join us uh, and really see what we're talking about in action. You know, this is what the you know this is putting that communion in action. <laughs> Hey, that's great, Bill. I'm excited for you and for everybody attending because it sounds wonderful. Now, we're taping this podcast in June of 2022. I know that the Charismatic Conference in Rhode Island is in July. Can you give us those dates just for the people yeah, so who are so. interested? Yeah, July 29th through the 31st. Um, and again, it's Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, USA, charisusa.org. Um, and you can go over there and visit that and, um, you know, learn about, you know, all how to how to join us for the for that conference and uh, whatnot. But um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be exciting uh, at the big Dunkin Donuts arena there. It is exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing the pictures and sad that I can't attend this year, but maybe next year. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be wonderful. But the fact that you're bringing the Eucharist out to evangelize, I, I just love that. And, you know, of course, Corpus Christi Sunday is coming up soon right now. But yeah. to, the time to do that and to let the world know uh, how much God loves them. And Jesus is, is there for them physically in the, in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of, of communion. 
And so when we're talking about this topic today of the synod and communion, as Bill and I really talked about at length here today, it is the Eucharist, the heart of it is the Eucharist, but it's also that commission to go out, go out as you do after the end of mass and love people and, and spread the gospel and, and show them the joy of Christ. And before we end, I know we're coming to that end of the show from that same article from catholicreview.org where those five ways um, to re realize the benefits of the Eucharist. Um, the, the second one, which I think is good to end with on my part here is the spiritual joy. It says that Holy Communion is the medicine leading to spiritual joy. Without frequent reception of the Eucharist, we're bound to feel weighed down by the commands of Jesus. Communion nourishes the delight we experience in the practice of virtue, and we should increase the frequency in which we are communing with Jesus in order to grow in Christian joy. Now, for those who might want to look at that article, um, it was written in 2021 by someone named um, Haniel Biaki, and it's called Welcome Back to Mass, Five Benefits of Receiving the Eucharist. And the website is catholicreview.org. So just wanted to give him credit for that. And Bill, this has been great. So today we talked about communion. Next podcast is participation. And then the one after that is mission. And then we're going to talk about some other aspects of the survey and results that were found out about this synod. So, yeah, Bill, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Anne. It's always so much fun to be with you. And, folks, um, you know, again, remember, remember that you can head over to our website, patchworkartradio.org, uh, to get all the episodes and other episodes of uh, what's available on Patchwork Art Radio. Don't forget to leave us a message um, on there. We'd love to hear from you. And um, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our show today. Until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Art Ministry, may God bless you and keep beating to your Catholic heart. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. The Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the Shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the Shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like, humanly, I don't think, like, that is another level of love. It's not a, a, a unsifled, like, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No. I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. Asking both experts and disciples, who do you 
say I am. Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support.